Hey, everybody. Welcome to No One Told Me, where we believe hindsight is everything. My name is Callie. And if you're new here every week, here's what we do. We take the experiences and the stories and the insights of those who are just a little bit ahead of us, and we use those to turn around and guide those who are coming behind us, because there is nothing worse than sitting in your own, why in the world didn't anyone tell me this was going to happen? I'm all by myself. Everyone hates me, right? So that's that's what we're trying to help you not do. And I've got my one of my favorite people who I call, and I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. This feels awful. Help me. Michelle Myers is with us today. You've heard her before. She's been on here a couple of times. And you forgot to tell them that you that you do it while making them laugh the whole time instead uh, of cry. Gosh, listen, it we're trying. It changes the tears. You know, I just laugh through the trauma. That's how I handle it. I where most it. people might do therapy and healthy things. I'm just like, what kind of jokes can I make out of this? Because this is great material, you know? So <laughs> It's fabulous. Whatever it is, I feel like it's therapy. So I'm for it. So truly, one of my biggest struggles in ministry when I was doing full-time ministry was I didn't feel like I could find anyone ahead of me that was living the life I was living, who was a wife and a mother and fully called to be in the work world and working full-time and doing it with joy and passion and doing home life with joy and passion. I was like, where are these people? Because I feel like it's just me. And then I met Michelle. Isn't that wonderful? Look at that. See, she's doing jazz hands. That's what you have to do. In All right, yeah. <laughs> um, it was actually like inviting you to do jazz hands. With it is. Well, see, the thing is, when you hold them up to the screen like that, it looks a little creepy. So like, keep them. I need it's you to true. keep them out to the side. That's your better. There you go. But, <laughs> but when I um, got to start having these conversations with Michelle, it again, just really sent home the value of finding someone who's ahead of you. And so I hope you mm-hmm. find that a lot here on this podcast. But Michelle in particular is someone that I've called and just said, here's where I'm at. Here's what's going on. Is it crazy? Is it stupid? Am I crazy? Am I stupid? Please tell me what to do. And she doesn't fluff it because I, if you give me even a little bit of fluff, because affirmation is my love language. If you give me even a little bit of fluff, Michelle, I'm like, I'm amazing. I'm doing it. I'm doing great. (laughs) So Michelle shoots straight. And so that's why I needed her to jump on this episode after last week. I was just sharing with her. You all had a huge response to last week's episode when we talked about burnout and we talked about trying to be someone that people like to work with, but also someone that you like when you get home. Do you even like yourself by the time you get home? It's a huge tension point and you all are feeling it, obviously, because the response was huge. So I literally texted Michelle on Monday and I was like, hey. You want to do a podcast this week? And she's a saint and was like, let me move some things around. It's amazing. Saint Michelle. Let's get you a shirt. That's. Um, oh, that would be a bad thing. That would be a bad thing. If you know that a little bit of affirmation, like, don't give me a title I can't live up to. Don't don't give me a title I can't live up to because I'll try. That is true. And just in just a few months, almost a year of getting to work with you. I have noticed that if there is something laid out ahead of you. It's going to get done efficiently. It's going to be about a week ahead of schedule. And it's going to be extremely detail-oriented. And then you're just going to move on right past it. It's done. I know. It's going to be like it never happened. It's the worst thing. That, I, that's actually that's an area where I'm trying to grow. Dude, I need, we, need to, we need to grow in the celebration. That is, tr- that is a valid point. That is a valid point. But 
you're doing a lot right now for anyone who doesn't know and hasn't gotten to listen to you before. You are speaking, you are podcasting, you are writing books, multiple books. You're doing all of these things, right? And the one thing that I love and value most about you and Summer, who also leads She Works His Way, the ministry you all do, is you never pigeonhole yourselves into one thing. Um, I think there's a misconception that your purpose is tied to only one thing, right? And for women specifically, it's a lot about, you know, you can have a great relationship with your husband, you can be a great mom, you can build strong community, or You can have a job that you love and are passionate about and you can move up in and get the top titles in, but you cannot do both. And I just think that's the narrative that keeps getting put out there. And so I want to ask you as someone who does both, and I don't, I'm curious if you've ever run up against that. Like, can you have both? Can you do both and still, you know, walk fully in your purpose? How has that worked in your life? Yeah. I mean, I think this really, if we're just, here I go, straight shooting. Uh, But this really boils down to identity. And are you letting the labels that the world lays on you that are easy to see or identify, are you letting those things define you and who you are? Or are you confident as who you are as, hey, I am a child of God and I take that identity everywhere I go. And so that may mean that I'm here in the workplace or I'm here in my house or I'm here going to the mailbox or I'm in a conversation with my neighbor. I can go all of those different places. But if my identity doesn't change, then it's actually not that not, it's actually not that big of a deal if the role changes. Mm -hmm. It's just the identity piece of it is being the anchor of knowing who I am is what I'm confident in Mm -hmm. and not putting my confidence in what I do or what I'm not doing or what somebody else thinks I should do. Or you get it? Like we overcomplicate this so much by simply wanting to have the wrong labels. So I think that's where the complication comes in. Now, does this mean that it is simple to live out? No, Mm -hmm. actually, it is simple, but it's not easy. And there's a difference between those two. It is much more simple to recognize that I am the same person and I ultimately have the same underlying purpose everywhere that I go. And that doesn't change. That is actually simple. But it's difficult because it's not like somebody is going to look at you and call that out. Mm -hmm. That's not going to be the thing that gets affirmed. That's not going to be the thing that gets appreciated. But it is going to be the foundation that is going to give you the confidence that you need to walk into, even if it's eight different, quote, rooms in one day. That's going to be the only thing that's going to carry you confidence-wise because it's confidence in who God is, not necessarily confidence in who you are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you, have you had this or multiple moments of crisis where you either think, should I be doing this job? Or you think, should I just be at home? Or am I getting it right? Have you had those moments where your identity has been tied up in a title, a relationship, a circumstance? What were the red flags that that was happening? And how did you work your way out of it? So um, I have a very loud internal noise. My thoughts rarely stop. And so... I've learned to pay attention to what my internal dialogue sounds like. 
Because when my internal dialogue starts to sound condemning or shaming or I don't know, it's not that I'm trying to sugarcoat anything, but when I start to notice that there's a lot of guilt running through my mind and it sounds like someone is attacking who I am as a person, then I recognize that I am letting the voice of the enemy speak into my life. And I am letting the enemy have a say in my actions, my beliefs, and my thought processes. And so I try to pay it because you can know what the enemy sounds like because he is a liar. He is a deceiver. That's, that's what he does. And so when it starts again, it's the attack is on my identity. It's never just on one little thing on what I did. It was, man, you really blew it that time. You're a bad mom and you're a bad mom because you were. And so it, it goes mm-hmm. after my identity. And so when I hear those things, then I start to realize, okay, I need some truth in my life and I can get the truth really quickly if I go to God's word, if I pray, if I call one of those trusted voices in my life, like I can, I can get to where this noise gets turned down. And most of the time to turn it down, all I have to do is identify who it is. Mm-hmm. And then once I know I'm listening to the enemy, then I've got to be intentional to put truth back in, to start listening to the right voices. Mm-hmm. Yes, it absolutely comes up. And yes, fixing it one time doesn't mean that you're not going to have to fix it again, because this is a process that we walk through. It, our sanctification, becoming more like Jesus, like it is a process. And dependence on the Lord is a process. It's something that we, that's not something that you decide one time. And then magically, you never try to go your own way again. It's realizing which direction am I heading? What voices am I listening to? And who is influencing and shaping my life? Mm -hmm. And most of the time, it's not because I have just tried to train wreck a day. It's because I wasn't as intentional as I should have been Mm -hmm. in the right things Mm -hmm. and pursuing the right voices. I was letting other people's expectations or even supposed opinions, not even calling them their real opinions, but just letting that rhetoric run in the back of my mind, it starts to make me second guess where God has called me. Mm -hmm. Because you can easily look at another mom and you can see whether it is her time. Uh, She doesn't have another job. And so she's able to fulfill this role in her kid's life as the room mom. Or even just looking at her skill set and going, man, she is a really phenomenal homemaker and she can do things in the kitchen that I don't even know if I'm uh, conditioned enough to watch someone else do on Pinterest, you know. And so you can start to, instead of knowing how God wired you and made you and gifted you and has called you, then you start inserting yourself into a calling that God never gave you. He gave it to her and that's awesome. Because that's what her family needed. But what your family needed, God gave to you. And whenever you start wanting to be something that God didn't call you to be, you have to do every single bit of that in your own strength. And like, how to get tired 101. Do things in your own strength all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Do the so, things that you think you should be doing instead of the actual things you're called to do. Instead of what God has actually called you to do. Yeah. yeah. Try the disobedient route that looks prettier than you think. And it and it does. Like, those are the red flags. Like, when you feel overwhelmed, when you feel overtired, or when, you know, like, those are the red flags that you oh, are yeah. probably doing things that you were never called or asked to do in the first place. But if you're yes. trying to determine that, like, let's say, let's go back to that both concept for a moment where... It's like, okay, do I need to be at home? Do I need to be at work? And then you have outside noise that wants to speak into it all the time, right? The amount of insight that people think is beneficial that you don't ask for that shapes <laughs> that shapes what you do or don't do. You know, I had a lot of people when I was working full time, I had the handful of people who in in they were trying to be so kind to me, but it wasn't helpful. They would say, man, you're never going to get this time back with your kids. Like you're off working mm-hmm. and your kids are just growing up without you. Like, I'm, I just want, mm-hmm. are you really, do you, you want me to cry right now? Right. Are you trying to make me cry? What, what is happening? But I, that both and being called to more than one place. So right. you don't want to say yes to too many things, right? You don't want right. to say no to the thing that you're supposed to be doing. How do you determine what does that look like to plant your feet firmly, even if it's in more than one place? Because I see you and Summer doing that quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And so I know you all have some checks and balances in place to make sure you're in the right lane. So as cliche as this may sound, it really boils down to my prayer life. Because if I am praying and I'm praying those prayers that are literally like, Lord, I want to be where you want me to be. And I don't want to walk through doors that I'm not supposed to walk through. And I don't want to walk through doors that you've called me to scared or apologetic. Mm. I want to live in confidence where you have put me, understanding that in my season of life where it looks, I, I have to walk into different doors sometimes depending on the week. And to other people, it doesn't look like it makes sense and it looks like it's too much, but I want to walk in with the confidence that I know that you've brought me there and I didn't bring this on myself. I didn't make this happen because this is the reality of it. You know that if you want to campaign for something, like you can Google that and you can figure that out. Of like how to bust this door wide open. But if you don't live like that and you live in such a way that is like, Lord, I need you to protect me because sometimes doors might be presented that I'm not supposed to walk through. And it's like that Ephesians 3.20 concept that we pray sometimes and we think about, like, this is for the big things. This is what we pray when we want God to do more than we ask or imagine. He's not just talking about that in the big things. He's saying, hey, listen, you do your best to pray with like your human mind. But understand that in your normal everyday routine, I am capable of moving outside of what you ask me for because I'm God, because I know what's best. And if you will live in such a way that actually expects me to do that in the boring, mundane places of your life, then you will actually live in all of me instead of being like, wow, look what I can accomplish. And you won't have to question so much, am I supposed to do this? Am I supposed to do that? Because you're just going to be walking with me. Mm-hmm. And so that that's one of the things. If I know that I have strategized super hard 
that's when I question myself the mm. most. Mm -hmm. Because I'm like, did I do this or did I make this happen? Did I shove this door open? Did I slam that door shut? Was I? But if I am just praying and I'm expected, because what does it ultimately say to know that God is able to do immeasurably more than we know to ask or imagine for? It is putting God in his proper place. Mm -hmm. It is worshiping him for everything that he is. Instead of attempting to micromanage him, the more specific we can pray and kind of tell him what to do in our prayers. Like, there's a time when I think sometimes if you're, especially if you're a verbal processor, when you pray that way, just to like get it out and listen, get it out at God. I'm not telling you to change the way you pray. But if you do this in such a way that really understands who you're talking to and you're on your face, by the time it's over, you're just like, God, do it and do it in such a way that I don't question it because I am so exhausted from overthinking this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I just, I just want you to make it clear. And so give me the peace. Like I'm about to walk through a door that I never thought I was going to walk through. In fact, if you had asked me six months ago, is this a door that you would have ever, ever walked through? I'd probably have said no. But God has made it abundantly clear. This was not my doing, mm -hmm. but it is him. And the only way that I can explain that is because I know it wasn't. Yeah. So I know that that that's probably a really frustrating answer. But what that does is that just keeps us really dependent on God instead of dependent on ourselves. And it's only frustrating. And I can speak from this space. It's only frustrating if God is not in his rightful place. Like, yeah. because what comes with a closeness and intimacy with him is the comfort and the peace of, okay, this isn't what I thought it would be, but that's okay because I know his yeah. character, I know his promises, and I know his faithfulness. And so I can continue forward. And I can only say that now from right. this point, it's almost like you said, if you, a year ago, I'd have been like, Michelle, give me something better than that crap. Like, yeah. that's fine. I'll pray about it, but <laughs> I need to do exactly. something. Like, I need to maneuver. I need to push and pull. And it's just one of those things where, you know, I think I, I probably called you maybe four or five months ago and just said, hey, here's where I'm feeling that I should be going, like the direction I need to go in. And I don't know what to do with this. And you said you need to have one conversation about it. You need to share the new information that has come to light, like what God has shown you. You need to share that information. And then you need to see what, what happens next, right? And I'll tell you, what happened next was not what I wanted to happen next. I thought, oh, okay, so I'll go ahead and have this conversation and then it will turn out exactly the way I want it to because I have been patient and waited and it didn't. But now from this standpoint, I can trace God's character in it. And a lot of times that's what he's trying to teach me in these like, yes, should I do it or should I not do it? He's almost reminding me of his character again of, hey, you're questioning me, go back and learn about me all over again. Oh, you're questioning me again? Go learn about me again. Like, uh, go see what I do once again, because you're going to keep going in this pattern. So I think it's only frustrating. If that answer is super frustrating, and you might get ticked off for me saying this, who, who's listening and maybe frustrated with that answer, it probably means that your mind is set on something other than a closeness and a and a and a intimacy with God. It means your mind and yep. value and identity are set on something else. And if that answer is not enough, that means that 
in a lot of ways, you're saying whatever God can do for me right now, if it's not what I want, it's not enough. I'm just going to take the bad guy off of you and I'm going to go one step further and say, if it frustrates you, stop grappling for control with God. You're not going to win. And you don't want to win. You don't want to. But like the longer that you are in that power struggle, the more limited your view of God is going to be. And so tell him, show me your power. Mm -hmm. I want to see your power. I want to see how much better you can handle this than I can. I'm tired of handling this. I'm actually exhausted. It's wearing me out because I'm trying to do a job that's not mine. And I just, I know your way is better. So help me to know that your way is better before I see it for myself. Yep. Yep. That's so good. It's a posture thing. It is. And it's hard and it does kind of suck. All right. It is hard and it's yucky and it's like this should feel easier and it's not because we're on this side of heaven and nothing's easy. So that's right. Sorry to tell you this. Listen, let's talk about for a second another aspect of a conversation I'm having a lot and it's when to know when you should stay and when you should go. It again is drawn back to purpose. It's drawn back to identity. It's drawn. I know that it's rooted in those, but you have gone in and out of a lot of opportunities. You've grown in opportunities. Mm-hmm. You have tackled a lot of new things that were probably kind of scary. How do you know when to hold on to something? How do you know when to let it go? For you, what has that looked like? How do you know when, okay, this is just a hard season and I'm going to set my feet firmly or this means mm-hmm. I should probably move on? You know, I think one of the the guiding principles that we can always know is that God is always working places, right? And so the easy thing for us is not feeling like the pressure is on our shoulders to bring God's work into an organization or into a place like wherever he, he's everywhere and he's always working. So I think the difference is, do I feel resistance in joining God where he's working here? And where is God working where it's like I get in and it's just automatically a rhythm and I see what he's doing. I see his hand and I can quickly jump in and join in versus, man, this used to feel like I could see things easier from his perspective and I knew what he was doing and I'm just not sure anymore. And now you got to be really careful to where there's not, you know, something that is in the way from preventing you to see it. But if you're like, even if you're, sometimes you're, you see it, but you're like, I'm not needed anymore. Like, and that's not always a bad thing for you to not be needed there. That means usually that you replaced yourself mm-hmm. or you solved that issue. And that's, no longer, there's no longer help that needs to be there. And it's running well so that you can go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. You know, that freedom to understand that even when you walk out of a room, God stays there. Mm-hmm. But if you're staying there because it's comfortable, if you're staying there because it's easy, or if you're staying there because you're holding on to something that God doesn't want you to hold on to, Mm -hmm. He's going to, like, it's not going to feel like your sweet spot anymore. Mm -hmm. And you can be grateful for something that happened in the past while still moving on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that you leave people behind. So let me 
I am a loyalist to a flaw. And so sometimes leaving a place feels like leaving people. And that is not the case. And you can ask the Lord. I, I mean, I think about, think about the different cities I've lived in, let alone the different organizations that I've been a part of. And I have a prompt written down to where I'm just like, Lord, recall people to my mind today that I need to pray for and that I need to reach out to. And it is sometimes so random. I actually sent a message to a girl that I went to middle school with that I have not spoken to. And we weren't real close in middle school, but I knew that she had gone through something difficult. And I reached out to her and we ended up having a Zoom coffee date. I love that. So, so, so random. But like, if you had even told me in middle school, hey, listen, in your late 30s, you're going to sit down and you guys are going to have coffee together over a computer while she's like going through a hard time. I'd be like, that's weird. You would say, well, it's only what's weird. a computer? That's, right. I'm just kidding. Right. You're not that that's old. That's the thing <laughs> I play Oregon Trail on. <laughs> the only thing I know it's for. Um, but... But truthfully, like those are, um, you can just, you can trust the Lord to bring people to your mind and he's, he's good to do that. And, and so it is, it I is think, a feeling that you're abandoning everybody or you're not going to have, yeah. especially because as an adult, your relationships are based so much on proximity. So I think it's such yeah. a valuable point that you say, Hey, if you're being called away or to step away from somewhere, it doesn't mean you're stepping away from the people. It doesn't mean that you don't, you know, I, I just think that's such a valuable point that that doesn't mean you're losing anything because a lot of times it feels like you're losing like, OK, but I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to be comfortable anymore. I'm not going to have that title. I'm not going to have those people. I'm not going to, you know, have the day to day yeah. stuff that I love to do. And I love what you're saying is it's not that's that's not a kingdom mindset. That's not the way that, that right. God wants you to look at it. Because literally, like. Scripture tells us that our time here, the entire time is like a vapor. And so if I am dwelling on even a millisecond of a vapor, mm -hmm. then my mind is probably not where it should be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I also too, but I've probably made myself too important. Yep. Can I just leave it at that and not expand on that anymore? I feel like everybody knows what I mean. When I, I think that, that lands. But I think it lands. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, Good. I do. I don't want to have to explain any further. I know. Right? I know. It's a little painful, but you know, you know when you're I'm a like, driven... I'm just going to leave this here. It is. I'm going to give you a hug. Listen, but it's also a little bit of a trap for those of us who are super driven and are <clears throat> like you, you're high capacity and you can do a lot and you're happy to do a lot that it almost like the enemy takes that skill and, and morphs it a little bit into pride and ego. And it's like, they can't do a thing without you. You yep. better stay here. So yes, I think that lands just fine. But yeah, I mean, if you think about the enemy being a deceiver, I think a lot of times we jump to, he's always going to ask you to do evil things. And I think right now, his biggest tactic is, man, how can I get her distracted? Mm-hmm. How mm -hmm. can I distract her away from the main mission, the main thing? Mm -hmm. I know I'll disguise it to where it looks good. Yeah. Yep. And if it looks good, then I'll fool her for a little while. Yeah. Like, 
It makes That's me think of, the, um, I've been reading Nehemiah, which it's been a while since I've read it, but I just feel like anyone who is in any sort of leadership or hopes to grow into any sort of leadership re- needs to read Nehemiah. That should be required reading. But it was talking about, and if you've read it, and if you even know the story, then this is a pretty obvious part, but they're in the middle of building the wall and the they're hearing that the enemies are coming and the Jewish people are really concerned and they keep going to Nehemiah over and over. And it says, they say, they're going to come and attack us over and over and over again. And that's all they keep saying to him. So he's like, all right, everyone calm down. I've got a plan. We're going to keep building this wall. We're not going to stop building the wall because that is what God has asked of us. But what you're going to do is hold a weapon in one hand and the hammer in the other. Right. And I've heard that taught a million times, but this morning I was reading it and it just reminded me like that should be our approach to the enemy of like, expect him to come, expect him to come for you, expect him to attack. Because you you take away his power when you expect it. I think we live our lives not expecting it to happen, right? We're like, oh, I'm good. I did my, I'm checking off my list. I'm, you know, have a really great relationship with the with the Lord. I've got great community. I love what I do. My family's great. I'm doing fine. And we get comfortable and we forget that scripture says he goes around like a prowling lion. He's looking yeah. for a weak spot and he's super subtle about it. And the thing is, if we can live our everyday expecting him to attack with that one weapon in one hand, but still be kingdom minded and still doing exactly what God has called us to do with the other, I just, I want to hone that in my own life. I want to be disciplined enough to identify when he is taking something that God has given me and warping it like a gift that God's given me, but warping it to create some pride or to um, use shame or guilt to tear it down. Like I want a weapon in one hand and that weapon is what you said earlier, it's that prayer. It's that daily devotion. It's um, it's honestly, sometimes it's worship. Sometimes it's calling the people who are going to come to you and say, no, no, let me identify the enemy for you because you're clearly not doing it well. It's what's your weapon in one hand and what's the tool you're using to continue to build the kingdom in the other. You, right. you hold both of those at once. And I'm not good at doing that. I'm an all in kind of gal. So that was big. Well, and, and to go back to prayer, Let me encourage you, especially if you are one who processes with people of like what your insecurities are or where you feel attacked. Um, Clayton King, one time he was preaching on spiritual warfare and he made an observation that I never thought about before because while Satan is powerful, he has limits. And one of his limits is that he is not all knowing. God is all knowing. Mm -hmm. Satan is not. Mm -hmm. And so Satan is limited by the things that you say out loud. Mm. And so if you say out loud and process all of those things, but you don't also back it up with these really big prayers Mm -hmm. that let Satan know, like, hey, listen, I just told you all the things that I'm actually thinking, but like, he coming for you, bro. Mm -hmm. Like, it's it's an understatement. So like, you got to do both. If you are a verbal processor, and you don't pray out loud, mm. pray out loud. Look like the crazy person in your car mm-hmm. or scream at the Lord in the shower. Like mm-hmm. do something to say it out loud because your words that you say, they they do, they, they have some, they affect you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so when you, if you only verbal process negative and then you don't back that up, with verbal, out loud, some kind of prayer, you are leaving your, yourself vulnerable to the words that you have shared out loud 
being the ones that have power in your life. Mm -hmm. And so, man, verbal process with the Lord in prayer. The only time I pray, the only time I pray out loud is when my kids are just off the charts insane. And I need them to know that their mother is about to lose her mind. And I'm praying right now out loud that I don't lose my mind on you. So that's about the only time. So maybe I could stretch that into other areas of life. And that would be probably a little more helpful than threatening my children via prayer. Maybe not the best use of it. Um, But I'm going to get super practical for a moment. Okay, let's say there's a scenario, right, where you know you are called to two things, right? Both. It could be, you know, a full-time job and being a mom and a wife. It can be, you know, a a job and a piece of ministry that you're getting into and starting to do. All these things where, like, you're fairly confident in what you're being asked to do. But it's like these great opportunities are coming up, but you're not sure if it's you. Maybe if you were able to negotiate on both sides, this is where it feels. I've always felt icky negotiating, but you and Summer have taught me otherwise, that it's not necessarily a negotiation. It's like, hey, if you see me and want me to use what you see in me, like these are the parameters I have to do it within. You have to sit there with the person who's offering you that job or offering that opportunity and say, I can't do it the way you want it done, but here's what I can bring to the table. How do you navigate those? Right. So you have the most important thing in your life that ultimately is the thing that you have to protect. Mm -hmm. And when you are looking at adding something else in, it is a matter of, of how do I add this in such a way that this important thing, this thing that is ultimate, and this is where it is so difficult because we live in a world where everything feels urgent. Like, have you even thought about how weird it is that after you make a payment at a store and you, like, for the time release to take your card out, it beeps at you, like, you have to get it out of there or, like, the thing's going to explode? Like, we we literally live in a world that makes tiny, little, itty-bitty, everyday things feel urgent. Mm -hmm. And so in order for you to be able to walk into that, You've got to know what is this. And it's it's the hedge of protection around that important thing. It's not a, I, we do a really bad job about talking about boundaries. I think whenever we talk about boundaries, we talk about boundaries as, hey, this is a line that you put up to keep these things out. Mm-hmm. As a believer, you set boundaries to keep the most important thing close. That's where you set boundaries. And so when you look at it and you go, okay, this is how I can walk through that door, serve in this way, and make sure that I am still keeping a protective boundary, not to keep something out or to make myself above or to any of those things, but to keep this thing close. Mm -hmm. This is what I have to do. And then that way you can present it in such a way, knowing that if you, if, if they can't bend to that, then it's not a good fit. Mm-hmm. And nobody walks away with their feelings hurt. Nobody walks away feeling like a missed opportunity or miscommunication. But it's just an understanding of, hey, listen, I see that. And I think that I can help. But this is the way that I can do it in a way that protects the things that are ultimate in my life. Mm-hmm. If that works for you and you're willing to try, I'm willing to step in and try too. Mm-hmm. But if that doesn't work for you, then I want to release you from this so that you can go and pursue somebody who can do this. Because again, 
Yeah, I wish I could say things nicer today. (laughs) You are replaceable in most things. Mm -hmm. I adore you and you are wonderful. But there are areas of your life where you are not as easily replaceable. Mm -hmm. And so you're going to have to figure out a way to hold both of those things that treasures the areas where it's harder to replace you and has open hands with the things that is easy to replace you in. Mm-hmm. And that usually means letting go of your ego, letting go of your pride, letting go of a paycheck, letting go of what could be, letting go of a status, letting go of an opportunity that looks great. Mm-hmm. But in, mm-hmm. oppor- in order for an opportunity to look great, it has to fit. Mm-hmm. And in order for it to fit, the ultimate things in your life have to still be able to be ultimate. Mm-hmm. And if that thing is going to start popping up like urgency, then it's not going to be not going to be a good thing for your soul. Yeah. Like yeah. we're not even just talking about your schedule here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're talking about you and being able to function in the ministry that God has called you to. Mm-hmm. What distracts you? Is it annoying little things? Is it only the shiny things that distract you? Is it just the mode in which things come out to where maybe you don't have really good habits when it comes to your phone? And Every single time you have a notification, there's something in the brain that was like, less clear notification. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever it is, I guarantee you in the times when you get distracted, what distracts you is not as important as what you're getting distracted from. Like, think about it. You get a text message while you're driving. Is it, is it more important that you are a focused driver or that you clear that notification in the 15 seconds in which it came in? Whatever is distracting you is not as important as what you're doing in that moment. Yes. Like you're, whatever you're doing is probably more important than the distraction. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love that you said treasure the things that are most important, but hold open handedly the things that are not on that list of most important things. It's just such a, it's again, a discipline to have to develop because more opportunities are going to come your way. And that doesn't mean you should take every single opportunity. But last thing I want to cover real quickly is when you do have an opportunity, you do say yes, Michelle. You walk in that door, Mm -hmm. you sit in that meeting, you take that phone call, you start this new role, you know, you have the baby, you say yes and get married, you enter that new small group, whatever it might be. I think one of the leading things that makes people not reach the full value of why God put them in that place to begin with is this imposter syndrome, feelings that you're not what everyone expects you to be. Um, And it almost, it doesn't almost, it does steal your joy period. So what has your experience been with that? I mean, have you talked to or found yourself in moments where you're up against the enemy just saying, you kind of suck at this, you shouldn't do it anymore. Um, And what do you do to course correct? So whenever I find myself um, battling imposter syndrome, then I've gotten really, really caught up in what I can do and my limits and what I can't do. What that doesn't factor in is what Christ can do through me. And so it is understanding that God's definition of strength and weakness is very different than how the world defines it. The world defines weakness as weakness, and you should delegate it. You should cover it up. You should pretend like it doesn't exist, like you fake it until you make it. Like that's how the world deals with weakness. And then scripture tells us. Hey, listen, you boast in weakness because when you're weak, that's where he's strong. Don't try to cover that up. Don't try to dwell on that. Depend on me for that. Mm -hmm. 
And so when I have imposter syndrome, I'm not staying in step with the spirit. Because when I have imposter syndrome, I'm walking into that room as me, mm. not as understanding that Christ dwells in me. Mm-hmm. And I'm not limited by what I can do. I'm limited by what he can do and my willingness to submit and yield to him. Mm-hmm. And so imposter syndrome, however you want to define it, people, you may even think, I must be really humble if I struggle with imposter syndrome. Nope, it's still all about you. And that, dear friend, is pride. Uh-huh. Gosh, can you ask me a question where I get to say something nice? I know, I know. I've got it. I've got it. So okay. we end every episode um, with the question, what is one thing you're so happy someone did tell you about? So I'm going to give my answer first because it's my show and I get to. Um, I, I am so happy that someone told me about and that you all said yes to coming to Knoxville for a live show. You and Summer and the She Works His Way team in Knoxville at two different locations. Thursday, October 26th, going to be at one of my favorite coffee shops, Backroads, from 7 to 9. Okay, so break down real quick, Michelle. What is the goal of Backroads, 7 to 9, October 26th? She works his way live. Who are you inviting into that space and what are, what's the conversation going to be about? Honestly, it's the very point of this podcast. We love those 20-somethings that like God has gotten a hold of your heart. And you are ready to run, but you're not sure which direction that is or what it looks like. And you are juggling all of these different things in your life and trying to figure it all out, but do it in a face honoring way. Like, man, we were there and we get you and we just want to love you through it. I'm not going to pretend like we have all of the answers. We don't, but we can make you feel less alone. Mm -hmm. We can make you feel less crazy and we can remind you that. The lies that the enemy is telling you, like everybody else has it figured out by now, you're behind lies. Mm -hmm. That is so not true. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's the number one conversation that I'm having right now with these young 20s is everybody else has their life figured out. They know who they're going to marry. They know what they're going to do. They're confident Mm -hmm. how they're going to use their degree. Nope, they're not. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They're not. They're not. It's so true. And and if they tell you that they do know and they're confident in it, also, that's the fake it till you make it mentality. In my experience, that is what has been happening. So that's Thursday yes. night, October 26th, Backroads. You can go to sheworkshisway.com slash live. And we will have, there's, it's just $25. That is so cheap to go to this two-hour event. When I tell you, this is the thing I wish I had had. Like, this is the drum I will beat over and over again. Is this is These are the, the conversations I wish I'd already been having. But then the next morning, we're going to be at Bradley's Chocolate yeah. and Gifts um, in West Knoxville for all my local Knoxville people. Um, and this is going to be a morning session, but it's going to be different content, completely different. What are we yeah. talking about there? That is going to be for if your soul just feels weary. And I feel like I don't really need to give much more explanation Mm -hmm. than that. Mm -hmm. But if you are, if you're worn out, if you're exhausted, if you're tired, if you're feeling like I can't do anymore, but there's still more to do Mm -hmm. and you just need somebody to remind you of what matters most Mm -hmm. and care for your soul in the process, Mm -hmm. 
that's we just want to love on you a little bit that morning. Yeah, it's going to be I think it's going to be encouraging. It's going to be practical. It's going to be a yes. moment to just feel seen and feel OK yes. that you're tired and that you're burned out like that is that is OK, but you don't have to stay in it. And I love that that's going to be a part of the conversation um, yep. on that Friday. So October 26th, October 27th, sheworkshisway.com slash live. I cannot tell you I could run some laps. I'm so excited about this. Okay, we're going to sign off with this, Michelle. What are you so happy someone told you about? It is funny. I don't know that I've ever shared this particular moment outside of a, an intimate setting. Oh, so um, but I thought about it just because you said Knoxville. So I actually moved to Knoxville in the middle of high school. So your junior year of high school is not really when you, when you want to have to uproot and start over. Mm-hmm. And I remember the plane ride from Memphis to Knoxville and the entire plane ride, which I'm not an emotional person, but I sobbed the entire plane ride from Memphis to Knoxville, which isn't very long and it sounds real dramatic, but if the whole 45 minutes, I did not the whole stop 45 crying. Life, which for me is like three days. Yeah. Okay. So I was very obviously emotional when I got off the plane. I probably looked like somebody had punched me and we had this, you know, just a senior saint and he did not get down to business with my dad. He looked at me first. Mm. And he came over to me and he wrapped me in a hug. And he just told me, he said, I know you don't like me very much right now. Mm. But one day you are going to love me. Oh, gosh, was he right? I I love him so much. And he ended up being just a big, Mm. huge blessing in my life while I was in Knoxville, after I left Knoxville, anytime I came back to Knoxville. And so I say all of that to tell you the one that that you're either about to walk into something that just feels hard or impossible or like it's going to be bad. You just have to remember that God always works for good, even in the hard things. Listen, I still had a really, really difficult first year, but I look back and I look at how Knoxville was a catalyst to so many things that God did in my life. It was a catalyst for my first job. Uh, it was the catalyst to growth. It was it was so many things. And so for those of you that are walking into something that feels really hard and impossible, just remember nothing, even this, nothing is impossible with God. And just like Jack looked at me and told me, I know you don't like me very much, but one day you're going to, you're going to love me. I think you can trust the Lord's plan enough to know that even if you don't like what he's doing right now, one day you're going to love it mm-hmm. because it's what's best for you. Mm-hmm. And he knows what's best for you more than you do. And sometimes you can only see that in hindsight. And that That's is right. why hindsight is everything. You see what we just did, Michelle? Right. We just came full circle. Boom. Because you you remembered a moment and it was definitive to you, but in the moment it meant nothing, right? So that's just, right. that is the value of looking back and sharing your experiences and your stories. Gosh, I love a full circle moment. We did it. That was a good one. It was so good. Hey, 
I genuinely love and appreciate you and what you do and the way you speak into people and the way that you just run hard in the direction that God sets you in. You are, I was going to say an inspiration, but that feels like I'm about to break into song, Michelle, and I don't want to sing. But to me personally, you've impacted me in a million ways, and I know this will impact so many others. So let's just plan on seeing you Thursday, October 26th, or Friday, October 27th. We can't wait to see you here in everyone's favorite city, Knoxville. Yes, yes. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> All right, Michelle, thank you so much.